Hello, and welcome to Carmel Presbyterian Church's podcast channel. Open up a Bible or just listen in. We hope this week's message is a blessing to you. On April 19th, Conrad Sanchez's temporary physical body, like all of us have, stopped working due to cancer. Conrad's spirit went to be with the Lord. Conrad was only 56, but this last Thursday, a whole bunch of his friends from the valley came and were in here, uh, more people than are here right now, and it was just this amazing memorial service. I had the luxury of sitting back there where you guys are. Uh, Pastor Greg Ogden, who's part of this church, was in a small group with Conrad for several years, so they were, they were very tight. And his pastor from where he used to live, uh, who'd been his pastor for many years, Tim Christensen, was there also to help officiate, and it was, it was beautiful. Now, Pastor Tim, his long-term pastor, before Conrad passed away, Pastor Tim visited him in the hospital, and I was so taken by what happened. It was Conrad happened to be having um, a good day and was completely lucid, and Pastor Tim recited or read to Conrad what Jesus said to Mary right after her brother Lazarus passed away, and Mary was just in the throes of, of grief. And Jesus said to Mary, I in the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And although he's lying there in in bed, Conrad, just with all of Conrad's enthusiasm, says, I believe that! Do you? How convinced are you? Because the way you handle adversity, especially your own death or the death of a loved one, will be dramatically impacted by what you believe. Have you intentionally, consciously chosen what you believe? Or are you just kind of going with the crowd, just kind of believing what our whole culture believes when it comes to difficult, painful, horrible things that happen? Have you ever thoroughly thought through what the Bible claims and whether or not you believe it? Now today I'm going to try and clearly distinguish between your options when it comes to what adversity is all about. I want you to see clearly that different belief systems, different worldviews have different things to offer. Conrad was 56 when he passed away. We don't really expect ourselves or our loved ones to pass away so young. You were created in the image of God. You have been given an eternal spirit. You're, You're never going to stop existing. And Our soul just is in turmoil when people that we love die. It's supposed to be that way. You were created to live forever. The Bible says that death is the final enemy. It's supposed to feel wrong and horribly disappointing when someone we love dies. We're supposed to hate this broken world and the results of it, the separation from the pain of loved ones. God hates what evil has done to this world that he created good. God weeps when he sees the devastation that has been brought about. But death is not the end. Death will not have the final word. Jesus proved it by coming back to life. Anyone who has put their faith in him will live with him forever. He promised this. When our mortals die, our mortal bodies die, we will live on. The people left behind, hopefully they'll they'll miss us and they'll mourn for us. Because God made us in his image. That's the right thing to do. And God weeps with them. 
but he also knows that this is not the end. He has plans to redeem everything, all of the pain, all of the loss, all of the disappointment. He's going to wipe away every tear. He'll turn our disappointment into joy. So how do we understand our own deaths or the death of a loved one? How, how do we understand all these different kinds of adversity that, that hit us, all the pain, all the disappointing things in this broken world, being betrayed by someone you trusted or abuse as a child or job loss, estranged relationships, violence, your own failure, long-term pain, an awful spouse, your own children disappointing you, bad health, dementia, loss of your life savings, in addition to your own death or the death of a loved one. What is the purpose of adversity? Do followers of Jesus understand reality and adversity in a way that is different than our culture around us? Or are we to face life's big disappointments just like everyone else? Or has God told us and shown us and given us anything that might be so different it actually has the power to turn our disappointment into joy? Now, this is the last of six messages on handling adversity well. And we've looked at some of the biblical narratives, particularly from the Old Testament and some concepts in the Bible. Adversity, pain, and evil exist because mankind rebelled. Satan wants to use it to destroy you. God wants to repurpose that, surf, that suffering and that pain and that disappointment for your good. And he's that powerful. I hope, even if you don't agree with what the Bible says about adversity, I hope you'll think about it. I'm going to try and be clear. So for three centuries, three centuries before Jesus was born, Alexander the Great uh, just conquered the known world. Back in the ancient world, they didn't write novels or stories about just normal people or about uh, farmers or things like that. They only wrote things about legends and stories, a few about philosophers or poets, but almost all the, the big legends and stories and things that people were talking about were kings of cities or warriors who were really good at killing their enemies or people who went out and built an empire by brutally killing many people in neighboring countries and enslaving some portion of their population. Heroes were especially good at killing their enemies. Alexander the Great was one of the most impressive because not only was he super young, but his innovative warfare just allowed him to create this vast empire in record time. In the fallen, broken world of the ancient world, before Jesus arrived, life was much harder and shorter than what we see. 80, more than 80% of all people did not live in the cities. They lived scratching out a living on the ground. They were dirt poor farmers in the dirt, literally. Many people were slaves. In the Roman Empire, 20 to 30%, they figure. Half of their children died by age 10. Didn't make it to age 10. Most of the heroes that 
people admired were very good at killing their enemies. That allowed them to acquire wealth and find houses and wine and food and slaves and also to kind of help use their prosperity to sort of, to the best, as best possible to keep adversity from them. That adversity happened to their enemies. Ancient peoples believed that adversity was important. They didn't just say, hey, adversity has no purpose. They said adversity is important, especially the Roman culture, because it makes you tough. So then you can go out and conquer your enemies and kill them. They were often trying to set up their lives so that their prosperity protected them as much as possible from adversity. Ah, does that sound at all like you? How much of your efforts in life are trying to use your prosperity to avoid adversity? Now fast forward to the modern world. Because of the influence of Jesus, and a great case can be made for that, we no longer praise the Hitlers or the Alexander the Greats who go off and conquer other nations and subjugate them. We don't think that's cool. We do have armed forces that protect us, and that's important, and I'm very grateful for them. But instead of violent conquerors, those aren't our heroes, what does our society tend to value? Well, first and foremost is family. We value friends. We value success and health and fame and wealth and pleasure and status and travel and entertainment. I'm, I'm sure there's more you could add to the list. And even helicopter parents who swoop in and rescue their kids from any adversity notwithstanding, most parents realize that adversity is important for their child to experience to some extent growing up, that if you don't want them to always succeed at everything, to always get a trophy, to always have teachers who are super reasonable and fair, to always be liked by everybody because they won't grow up resilient if they don't experience some adversity. Nevertheless, as adults, as adults, what do we do? We try to use our prosperity to protect us so we avoid devastating adversity. And, and I'm not saying you shouldn't. That's fine. That's moral. That's normal. Within reasonable limits, within the purpose of God for your life. But it never works. At the moral service, a great quote from Tim Keller that I want to read to you from his book, Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering. Tim Keller puts it like this. No matter what precautions we take, no matter how well we have put together a good life, no matter how hard we have worked to be healthy, wealthy, comfortable with friends and family, and successful with our career, something will inevitably ruin it. Take my grandmother, for instance. She worked hard. She did all the right things. Got through the Great Depression and prospered. Had health care and good health care and housing, nice housing and, good, and travel and food. She was so far more prosperous than the little dirt farm she'd grown up on in Iowa. And she lived to be 107. But she was deeply disappointed in my grandfather. Struggled, suffered in a bad marriage for decades. And the last seven years of her life, she was in pain. She could barely hear. She could barely see. She just wanted to die and go be with Jesus. As Keller points out, something will inevitably ruin the good life that you worked so hard to put together and protect yourself from adversity. It won't happen. You won't do it. So when it comes to adversity, does God offer something different than what everybody else out there 
has and how they handle it. A different way of thinking or a different way of experiencing it. Yes. Emphatically, yes. But know this before we go into it. You're literally looking at two choices today. And your natural bent is going to be the way that people handle it, which is to be deeply disappointed and thoroughly depressed when something inevitably comes and ruins this life you put together. So if you choose to believe God, agree with what he's told you in the Bible, you're going to have to work at it. It's not going to be easy. It will not come naturally. But if you agree with God about what adversity can be repurposed for, how he looks at adversity... It will change your life in wonderful, powerful ways. It'll turn your disappointment into joy. And just a disclaimer before I go any farther, um, I don't have this down. Especially this week and the last few weeks, I was, I was getting ready, I was looking at myself, I was going, oh, you need to repent. You need to believe this. You need to work on this. So I've been working on it every day and really... Um, realizing just that uh, at the moment, this is something that's very important for me. So what I'm sharing to you, I hope it'll be helpful to you. It's been really helpful to me. So about three centuries before Jesus arrived, Alexander the Great arrived. 2,000 years ago, Jesus, the Son of God, takes on human form, God in the flesh, and walks among us. Now at the time, all great heroes of the ancient world, there were people like Alexander the Great, Julius Caesar, or for the Jews, King David, people who were really good at killing other people. Jesus turned everything on its head. Instead of walking in palaces and influencing power centers, he hung out with, he hung out with the poor and with sinners and outcasts instead of killing his enemies he died for them to pay for their sins so they could be pardoned to win their hearts so they would want to be adopted into his family and then he conquered death by resurrecting now for the people of the ancient world that sounded horrible that's not a hero heroes don't die on the cross heroes don't get flogged only losers winners killed their enemies They conquered by force. And Jesus comes along. And the most evil, most painful, the most wrong thing ever done to anyone is done to him. He does it voluntarily. And he is so powerful that that wrong, evil thing, he transforms the outcome and turns it into the biggest blessing in the history of the world. And contrary to what everybody believed about heroes, he becomes the greatest hero in history. Now what was done to him was still evil. It was wrong. It was painful. It was awful. But God refuses to let it win and he uses it for good. And that's what he wants to do in the awful, terrible, painful things that happen in your life. It's what God promises he will do for you if you love him and if you have aligned your purpose for your life with his purpose for your life. Throughout this series, we've looked at Romans 8, 28. I'll put it on screen. Let me read it to you again. We know that in everything, God works for good with those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. You've got to love him. You've got to make his purpose in your life your purpose for your life. But then the next verse, he immediately tells us what it is. Verse 29, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among among many brethren. His purpose 
is to conform you to the image of his son, to transform your character, to make it so that your heart desires the same things God's heart desires, that your attitudes are similar. In short, to make you like Jesus. That's his purpose. Have you aligned your purpose with God's purpose for you? Is that what you want most? The context of this passage is adversity. I'm going to do something different. It's extreme adversity, this passage. And I want you to see that and also to see this. This is one of the most beautiful passages ever written in any language anywhere. And I want you to read it out loud with me. But I don't want you to read it mamby-pamby. I want you to read it like you mean it. So don't just kind of get in a monotone. You look at how it's supposed to be read and do your best, okay? Here we go. We know that in everything God works for good with those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Now, you can do better. A little crescendo. I mean, (laughs) honestly, this is some of the best ever written anywhere, both in meaning and in tone. Let's go. What then shall we say to this? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he not also give us all things with him? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? It is Christ Jesus who died, yes, who was raised from the dead, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written... For thy sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Did you understand what he's saying is happening? They are experiencing great adversity, tribulation, peril, nakedness, families. They're being slaughtered. And they're still more than conquerors. Because God's going to redeem it all. All of it is going to work for their good. They don't necessarily see how, but they saw how it worked out with Jesus, the worst thing that was ever done to anyone. It's going to work for God's purpose of transforming their hearts, of making them like Jesus, and nothing can separate them from God's love in the middle of it. Now, does that make slaughtering people okay? Of course not. It's evil. It's wrong. Don't misunderstand the biblical perspective on this fallen... I'm not going to fall on this fallen, broken world where people make evil choices. There are actually powerful, supernatural evil beings that are out to get you. Don't misunderstand. 
None of that are we saying is good. They're evil. They're painful. And when those things happen to people that God loves, it breaks his heart and he hates it and he weeps with them. But he does not let evil and pain have the last word. He changes the outcome. Against the will of evil, he changes the outcome and repurposes it to make you like Jesus or to win the hearts of people who aren't yet followers of Jesus. Remember in our first series, if you were here, the first message in this series, we talked about Joseph in Egypt and how his brothers sold him into slavery. And then when their dad died and they're in Egypt and Joseph's the prime minister, they're afraid he's going to kill him now that dad is dead because they sold him into slavery. That was their intention. But Joseph says to him, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. To bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Now, Joseph's a foreshadowing of Jesus. Jesus is the greatest example of this. Would you open either an app or a Bible to Philippians chapter 2? I just want to read you another incredible passage that has to do with this. We're going to start at verse 5. Paul writes, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking form, the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him. And bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Do you understand what it's saying here? Even though he was God, he didn't cling to his rights, his prerogatives as God. Instead of killing and conquering his enemies, he let them kill him. They didn't know. They meant it for evil like Joseph's brothers. They didn't know that God was so powerful, he would bring a different outcome. He would make it so that the actual enemies could then be forgiven and pardoned, that God could still be just and the justifier of evil sinners like me. And like you, they meant it for evil. God used it for good. Paul begins that whole section by saying, have this mind among you which you have in Christ Jesus. He's saying, think like Jesus. Have the attitude that Jesus has. Don't cling to your rights. Instead, look to God to redeem the evil done to you, the disappointments that he'll make you like Jesus and use it to win other hearts. The choice is going to face you all through your life. Are you going to cling to what you think is your right to have an adversity-free life? Good luck with that. No one gets one. Let them go. Put them in God's hands. 
See what he will do with those so-called rights once you give them up as you focus on him and he transforms your heart. So you can choose. You can choose to be like everybody around us who is just always so absorbed in the things that they're disappointed in, the pain and the evil done to them, and they just get angry and discouraged and despondent and depressed, clinging to that so-called right of an adversity-free life. Or you can align your life, the pur- your purpose, with God's purpose for you of becoming like Jesus. And he promises that nothing will separate you from his love. He will make you like Jesus. He will give you supernatural peace. Evil may kill you, but you will still be more than a conqueror. And you'll be on the true hero's journey. You know, they thought Alexander the Great, Julius Caesar, King David, those are the heroes. Go out and kill people. The greatest hero is Jesus. He says, come on. I got something heroic for you to do. And your disappointment will be turned into joy. Everybody chooses what purpose their life's going to have. There's a lot of pressure on you to choose what everybody else is choosing. And the devil loves that because then he can ruin your life and destroy you. You know, for many people today, you know what their highest value is? It's, It's... Fitting for Mother's Day, the highest value is family. It's become their main purpose, nobly sacrificing, working hard to provide for their family, putting family first, and building a good, prosperous life with health insurance and KRAs and investments and education. And inevitably, this fallen, broken world with so much evil will hurt the people they love or them, or even the people they love will hurt them after all that sacrifice. You can set it up all very well like my grandmother and live to be 107. It'll still be ruined. Or you can align your life and your heart with God's purpose. It won't take away the pain. You're going to have pain one way or the other. But it's just a broken, painful world that God is in the process of fixing. We'll get there, but we're in process. He's going to redeem every bit of the pain and evil inflicted on you. He'll use it to make you like Jesus and more heroic than Alexander was when we get into eternity. You'll see that. You may not see it now. The people around you may not see it. But did you know that in Romans 8 it says all creation is waiting eagerly for your revealing if you're a follower of Jesus? And that your suffering does not even compare with the glory that you're going to experience Listen to just part of it again from Romans 8. We know that in everything God works for good with those who love him who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Super famous passage in the the Bible. Paul actually uses the past tense to convince you this is so certain. It's like it's already happened. It's unshakable. If you will love God and align your purpose with his, then the evil 
and pain that you experience. You won't be able to necessarily see it now, but you'll, it'll be redeemed. You'll team up with Jesus in a heroic journey. It's going to amaze you and fill you with gratitude for all eternity. Jesus is getting rid of all the pain and evil. He's making all things new. But until he does, there is a window of opportunity for you to give up your rights, give up your plan, adopt his plan. Because if you want your plan more than God's plan, you're going to always just be upset and think that God does not know what he's doing as adversity hits you. So many people, oh, how could God allow this to happen? It's a broken world. There is evil. It's real. If it crucified Jesus, it's going to get to you. And if God turned the crucifixion in the greatest blessing of all time, he can also redeem what happens to you. Make God's plan your plan. God's purpose your purpose. God's purpose is to transform you and make you like Jesus. Now, this has been a lot this morning. And you may be here just kind of, you know, it's Mother's Day. I came with Mom. <laughs> Give me a break. Can't you do something warm and fuzzy for Mom? I'll have to work on that for next year. You may not agree with what the Bible says over and over about this world, about reality, about adversity, but I hope this is at least clear that you can see how such a perspective, such a worldview is very different than what our culture believes and that how it would be very easy if there is such a thing as evil forces to use our culture's expectation right, if you will, to have an adversity-free life to just blow you out of the water when your life comes to ruin and you say, how could a God possibly allow this? Whereas if you adopt God's point of view that he explains in the scriptures and have him in your life and his power to redeem it, lots and lots of narratives in the scriptures where God shows that he does that. So it all depends on whether or not Conrad was right when he said, I believe that. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. If that's true, then all of this tremendous news is amazing, and you can't lose. You will be more than conquerors, even if they kill you. As a toddler, I had a lot of ear infections. They almost took out my tonsils because of my ear infections. But when I would have, you know, I'd be a little toddler and I'd be in pain. And my mom would take me and I'd cuddle on her lap. And she, we had a wicker rocking chair and she'd rock me and she'd, uh, she'd hug me and she'd kind of hum soothingly. And, you know, she'd do whatever she could. Maybe those warm oil drops in the ear or a heating pad or stuff like that. And, and that often didn't get rid of it. Um, but it was comforting. The pain... Even I didn't understand what was going on. But the pain pushed me closer to my mom. It's one of my favorite mother memories on this Mother's Day. But it's your choice. You can be like the crowd, and when something that you don't understand that's painful happens, you can let it push you away from God. Or you can make God's purpose your purpose, and you can let it push you closer to God. This week, a good friend shared with me about how many years ago, more than a couple decades ago, she and her husband had a young child who died. In the ancient world, 
with half of their children dying before age 10, they tried to protect their hearts by just not loving their children as much as we do, not doting on them. I don't think it always worked, but they tried. They wanted to wait and see, okay, you made it past 10, okay, now I'm going to love you. It's just hard of a big piece of your heart walking around outside of your body. Today, we are so fortunate to have wonderful health care. And my friend and her husband, they did everything possible, but their young child ended up dying. No one should have to outlive their child. Having a child die is one of the most painful consequences of living in a world that's been broken by evil. So it's probably the most painful thing she's ever been through. But she knew she had a choice. She could either let the pain push her away from God or push her closer to him. She chose to get closer. Her husband chose the opposite. Broke them apart. And also kind of set them on their life paths for the next several decades. The story's not over yet, but maybe for the rest of their lives and eternity. What are you going to choose? I hope it's clear. You, got, you choose either believe God to choose God to choose his purposes for your purpose. This fallen world is filled with evil and it will ruin your best laid plans. Without God, it will probably ruin you too. You'll miss out on experiencing him and on his glory. But if you will choose to love God, align your purpose with his purpose of making you like Jesus, he promises that nothing will separate you from his life. He'll go through it all with you and he will redeem all of the pain and all of the adversity and he will make it work to your good, though you can't often see it now. And one day, all of the pain adversity, it will seem insignificant compared to all the glory that you're going to inherit. Also in Romans 8, we read, for you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of sonship. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is the Spirit himself bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, providing we also suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed to us. Thank you for listening. For more information about Carmel Presbyterian Church, visit our website at www.carmelprez.org or any of our social media pages. Have a blessed rest of your week.